and welcome to the Everyday Board Game Podcast with your hosts, Daniel and Daniel. Daniel, what is this weird, <laughs> bizarre world that we are living in right now? This weird concept of, uh, I connect, like, you're here. I don't... Okay. Don't touch me. Oh, sorry. But a good example, <laughs> I, I had to do that at least once because this hasn't <laughs> happened in a very long time. Oh, okay. I remember the last time, I think, is when we interviewed Rob Davio, which was back in December. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. Wow, back in 2020. And this is already, we're in August now, so... This is the first like in-person podcast that we've had in a very long time. Yeah. And that's because tell them why we were off for a week. So I was moving. Uh, we mentioned it when we recorded the last double episode uh, live on Twitch. And we missed a week last week. It, <laughs> Daniel is my favorite host of the two. Daniel is great, but Daniel is just the cat's whiskers. You're the cat whiskers. Apparently. <laughs> But anyways, sorry for that little sidetrack, just making fun of Daniel over here. I ended up moving and ended up moving close to Daniel over here. We're about, what, would you say 10 minutes away from each other? If that, if maybe, maybe five. Yeah. It's just because it's a weird to get into my neighborhood from his neighborhood. Because, and I kid you not, it would be a lot quicker, but there's just one little street that just doesn't go all <laughs> the way and so he can't come down that one road, so he has to do like a whole roundabout to get to my place now. Instead of just it's it's a little strip. It's not even like a hundred feet. And, and the funny part is, it actually could be. <laughs> I'm sure. And our friend Dice Truck is joining us. He said, "I'm sure Daniel is just as good as Daniel, probably." You know, but we'll we'll let the viewers decide that. Um, no, yeah. It, it, what makes it great is that, or silly is that, this road could be. A road. <laughs> yeah. Like, but it ends in a cul-de-sac, and then there's a little walking path that goes across a ditch to, or an irrigation canal to Which, the road itself. By the way, they already have the bridge to go over the canal. Yeah. yeah. It was designed to be a road. It was a dirt road before they randomly made this neighborhood, like, awkwardly, like... Yeah. Self-contained, really. Yeah. It's really strange, so... I, I live back in an older house where they didn't care about stuff like that. I'm still... We're both on cul-de-sacs now, right? Oh, no, you're not on a cul-de-sac. Oh, no, oh, no, I'm not. Yeah, I am. I'm in a but. weird grid system. Like, I'm one of the last houses on my street, mm -hmm. and then it curves, and it starts a whole new street. It's not even like a straight yeah. and then a turn. It curves into a whole new street. Yeah. And there's, like, another neighborhood that's parallel to yours that you can't access from, your, from <laughs> yeah. this neighborhood. Yeah. Like, it's just, like... It's maybe, like, a couple square miles, you know, and then... Another neighborhood that's a couple square miles, and there's no connection between the two. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's weird. But, yeah, no, that's what, why we ended up missing last week as well as, you know, it's not as echoey as now is because I'm in a new location in my home, my house that we have. And it's it's kind of nice, though I do miss being in Central. Uh, where I was living, I was close to everything pretty much. I was in the central part of the city. And then I moved out to the Burbs. Yep, yep. And I'm still like, out in the counties, so like, good either way. <laughs> now you know my pain of, like, having to drive 20 minutes to get to your house just to film. Oh, yeah. And uh, and I still come to your house. Like, now I move closer to me, and you're still come <laughs> I'm still going to your place, not the yeah, other way around. Yeah, I, I don't have kids. Solid argument. <laughs> so my house is perpetually dirty. That, that's a good point. I wasn't talking about that. I was just perpetually noisy. <laughs> They're not too bad if they're playing video games. Now that the video games are like, right? Anyway, we're way off topic. Holy cow. Let's get into the actual episode. 
on top of that, we have a new setup here, of course. Oh, yeah. Uh, we, we always kind of plan this. We're still going to be tweaking some things, as always. Yeah. It's going to take us some time. we got to work with the webcam that we're using, maybe get a better camera somewhere down the line. But we got the mic set up, and really nice mic set up, too. So, and able to actually route both the mics through the one system makes it so much easier for sound quality. Yep. And might I say, I'm going to give a shout out to a certain kind of store because <laughs> without that store, we wouldn't be filming like this today. I don't think. No, it, it's a it's a kind of store called a bin store. If you don't know what a bin store is, basically they get a bunch of overstock from like Amazon, uh, you know, websites, stores, returns, like broken things, you know, yeah, all sorts of random stuff, and they buy these massive, massive crates and cartons full of random stuff. And the way they do it is they dump everything into bins, and at the bins, you just simply buy buy everything for, like, a set number of price. So, like, they might say, everything's five bucks. So, okay, well, that item's five bucks, that item's five bucks. Yeah. And we got mic stands, like, really nice ones. You can't see them on the screen, but they're holding up everything. They come with pop stoppers. You know, this is brilliant. Yeah, no, no, it's really well done. And then we have some soundproofing back there on the shelf just kind of sitting there again five bucks so it, it's yeah. it's quite nice i mean we need more for this room but I, even now you you can hear that there's not that much echo compared to uh what we used to do yeah and at, at our local bin store what's great is uh what's great is that there are two there was two things that i found there i've been wanting to find board games at this bin store which i haven't <laughs> been able to do yet <laughs> except for the same day i bought these there was two board games there Oh, yeah. What, what board games? Monopoly? First, there was a shelf behind them where everything was a little more expensive. It was kind of like a set price. They had a copy of Sushi Go Party. Nice. It was like 10 bucks, you know, which is not bad. Very well and done. And then one of, the, one of the women that were there, I was like, hey, I'm glad to see you guys have that for sale. And she was like, well, what is it? And so, of course, I start ranting. It's like, oh, it's an amazing card game about getting sushi meals. And she's telling her coworkers, and like, like, wow, we need to buy this. This is amazing. And Dice Chuck, I don't disagree with you. Um, we need all the help we can get. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the other one I found in the actual bins themselves for $5, a bunch of copies of sealed Unstable Unicorns. And I thought about it. I was like, it's not that bad of a game. I've played worse. And I thought about it for 5 bucks. I'll be Is nice. it worth it? I don't know. I ended up not doing it, but, you know, it's all right. It's all right. <laughs> Thanks, Dice Chuck. Uh, wow, you must be listening to this on with the screen off. Uh, so, <laughs> he listens to the audio only podcast. <laughs> oh goodness! Well, let, let's actually get into the actual topic of the podcast itself today. Sounds um, good to me. But before we do so, we've had a week off, therefore we've purchased a lot of games. Yeah, so uh, we've talked about some of the other games that I've purchased too um, recently because we did a trip not too long ago to El Paso uh, to visit a game shop over there. So I did finally get the initiative. I have bought that. I haven't played it yet. I do have it in my bag somewhere. Um, I also got um, the newest Alien game. One of the games I was saying that was my must-get for 2021. And I want to try it. It looks so good. And for 30 bucks, it's a good deal. And you can't really see it behind me. But on my shelf over there, I also picked up the Gargoyles game. I was a huge fan of that uh cartoon growing up as a kid and once it popped into uh, our target out here which sometimes is a bit delayed when they get new games it's another one i bought 
Also, because of you, I ended up buying Super Mega Lucky Box. Cheers. Uh, also got Trash Pandas, and um, I just got my copy of Quicks in recently, too. So I, I did have a, a bunch of buying lately. That I'm, I played most of these games. There's a few that I do want to get on the table. Like I said, uh, Gargoyles, as well as the Alien Fate of Nostromos. But yes, uh, Disney Gargoyles Dice Chuck uh, was a wonderful show. It uh, it was one of my favorites growing up as a kid. And so from what I've seen of the board game itself, it looks pretty good. So I'm hoping. And Target hasn't really disappointed me lately with some of their new games that they've come out with. So I'm looking forward to it because I really enjoyed the Goonies one. I thought that one was fun. Yeah. Speaking of uh, Target's new games, <laughs> just Buffalo Games just released a whole bunch of new games for Target. Now, in full disclosure, I've played one of the new three that I bought. But at this point now, if it says Buffalo Games and Puzzles and it's at Target, there's a good chance I'm going to look into it. And I bought three. (laughs) (laughs) They were all from the same publisher, same company, and that is uh, Tetris, the strategy game, which is by an insta-buy for us, Phil Walker-Harding. Oh, yeah. It's cool. I have played it. It's a really fun game. There are, it's not only a really great production, but there's terrible production issues with it. Yeah, I heard there's some issues with the, the where you got to put the, the Tetris pieces into it, yeah. like they're, they they stick. No, actually, that's not, that actually handles that really well. The problem was there's a sticker on the back that's like, oh. it's kind of like an overlay, and they made it transparent. And because some of the points, you can get extra points by putting certain shape certain shapes on other shapes so like or certain shapes matching their symbol so like one might have the l piece and you put the l down and if it aligns with it and you cover it you get a point yeah at the end of the game but at the end of the game you can't see it because it's covering and the pieces are transparent but still it's almost near impossible and the way they put the sticker on it's actually backwards oh man so the l's are, are backwards so i'm what I'm going to do is I'm going to put some tokens in and figure out a way to count points as I'm playing. But that that was rough. And then the sticker on the back, it has bubbles on it, but that I didn't see uh, a big problem with it. I mean, it, it's annoying, yes, but it's not functionally that bad. But other than that, like the production quality is amazing and it's like 20 bucks. It's super cheap. So that was one of them. Then I also picked up uh, Wonka. Uh, uh, <laughs> the the Toy Factor ticket. one. Yeah, yeah the yeah. Golden Ticket. And that's also by the same also a $20 game and it comes with 60 Wonka bars that are this cardboard like almost like tuck box half tuck box thing that you actually have to build and then each one has a plastic sliding out chocolate bar and then full plastic like shiny golden tickets for the (laughs) that you hide in the chocolate bars and so you're collecting these tokens throughout the game and uh increasing your odds to potentially win but as long as you get at least one golden ticket you've won so it could be anywhere from all but one player to just one, one player, player winning. It's amazing. <laughs> I love that idea. I get why some people probably wouldn't like it. Yeah. Know? Just because it's like, in theory, if I got everything except for three Wonka bars and you and two other players got one Wonka bar each and you open the golden tickets, I could still lose no matter how much better I did. But then at that point, you just go, I'll still take it as a win. Yeah. Look yeah. how many Wonka bars I have. You know? <laughs> so, haha. And, and then the final one was 62nd um, City, which I hadn't shown you yet, but, it, or no, I did show you briefly, but all of the domino tiles on that are wooden. 
Oh, wow. Yeah, it's fully wooden components, and it's like $17, $18. That's not too bad yeah, at it's all. A, it's a two-player, real-time cooperative game where you're building patterns in the city, like domino style. And so, Dice Truck, yes. Uh, <laughs> I, I did see the Rodney Smith video for the Gargoyles board game. It looks really good. Um, I like the 3D that it does with it. Though, sometimes it has me worried because the production's good, but it's not, like, what you would expect from when you get, like, a $60 game where the cardboard's really good and the buildings and stuff like that. So, eh, I'll see how it plays. I do want to get Gargoyles to the table. But back to you when you were talking about Buffalo Games and their Tetris thing. Mm -hmm. And Buffalo Games has been really good lately. Um, Summer Camp, we've talked about it recently when we play it. I do have to say there, and I get why because of the price point and putting it in Target and stuff like that. But their their production quality tends to be on the lower end because Summer Camp is still one of my favorite games that we've played recently. I, I just showed it to some friends of mine, and they really enjoyed it. And honestly, if I'm going to ever introduce deck builders to people, I'm going to use Summer Camp to introduce deck yep. building to them because it's that good. But when you think the game is built upon deck building, which means it's all card play. You would put more of the quality into the cards rather than the pieces that don't get used quite yeah. as bit because the the winning tokens, the participation tokens, all that, all those tokens are better quality than the cards themselves. And so I've heard the stuff with uh, Buffalo Games about that is just that their production quality is on the lower end. Yeah, I want to read this. This is Buffalo Games Mission. This okay. is what they posted, and I appreciate that they do it because prior to like what two years ago when they came out with Apollo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hardly knew them. I didn't know. And I think that's because they only made, like, kind of generic party games. Like, it didn't didn't seem like anything too crazy that I enjoyed. But this says, uh, Through it all, we are guided by our mission to make life more fun and rewarding. Fun is what we are about. From our production line to our work environment to our consumer and business relationships. At the same time, we are passionate about making life rewarding by crafting puzzles and games with superior pay with superior play value and unparalleled quality. We strive to have everything we do to meet both ideals, knowing that you, in the end, will be the judge. So sit back, enjoy the site, check out our products, and have fun with Buffalo Games. I appreciate the fact, because now I think this unseats Game Right as far as best bang for your buck, as far as... Game Right has better games at this line. But if Buffalo keeps going at this pace... Yeah, maybe. Wow. Uh, the thing is, with Game Right, I don't think they've really... Other than the Forbidden series, the, the most recent one, I think, is what? Forbidden Sky? Mm-hmm. That was really the only miss for me with some of the Game Right games I've played. Quix is really good. Uh, what is the... Uh, Sushi Go Party, Sushi Go... Those are really good games. Trash Panda is a nice little fun game. I actually got some friends to play Abandoned Artichokes, and they oh. love that game. And so I think for me, Game Right is still up there with bang for your buck. If Buffalo Games, yeah, I agree with you, keep producing what they've been producing and the fact that they've been working so much with Phil Walker Harding, that's kind of, <laughs> it's like yeah. Game Right, Phil Walker Harding, now Buffalo Games, Phil Walker Harding. It's yeah. basically, it's the, t- the which which Phil Walker Harding do you feel like playing? The big <laughs> box games or the small box games? Right. Well, I mean, like a good comparison, I'm going to go buy MSRP, 25 bucks, right? Mm-hmm. You have... Forbidden Desert from Game Right. Yeah. Uh, it has, what, 30 tiles, give or take, uh, 24 tiles, sorry. Yeah. Um, you have a couple good sets of cards. You have really good components as far as the pieces go, tiles shipped around, but then that's it, right? Which is still better than most games. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's like $5 more than a Monopoly, which is Monopoly. Um, 
but $25 gets you Summer Camp, which is like 300 cards, 8 tuck boxes, you know, custom components, beautifully embossed uh, tokens, like 9 player boards, like it's, it's, that's unparalleled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. way better. Um, with the exception that the cards are way better in game right, and the games so far, so far have, are, there is more and there are better games, but like I said, I think it has a very good chance. And so, uh, Dexchuck, I will go ahead and read your comment. I may be in the minority, but components is one of the last things I care about regarding board games. I want fun game at good price. If it becomes a fave, then deluxe version or an expansion of minis that are, can be made later. Board games that cost one or two hundred dollars or e or even more is a pet peeve of mine. A game with tons of minis isn't as good as a game with tons of standees because I will actually get to own the standee or get to own the standees game and desire minis from afar and never get to play it. I you know, I'm on the same I'm on the same level with you. I really don't normally care. I'm just really appreciate the fact that I can spend, you know, like uh, recently Pandasaurus, they they really silver and gold. It's like twenty bucks. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Five dollars more I have suddenly a three hundred card deck builder. Out of that's that's my comparison. I agree with you. I, I I will gladly pay fifty bucks for a game that I know is fun and have has shoddy components. Oh yeah, no, I don't disagree with the production but value yeah. on it. But the thing is with Summer Camp and my thing mm -hmm. about this is that this is a deck builder and their quality of cards is almost Hasbro style cards. It, it may be just a slight step above them. And the thing is, is that because this is my introductory deck builder and you can get it for 25 bucks. Yeah. The cards are, I'm going to have to sleeve those cards because if it gets played a lot or if say you take yours to the game shop to introduce it to new players who come into the shop and play games, it's going to get I that, have. and it's going to get that wear and tear. So it's going to need those sleeves to protect it, and yep. that, that's a small price to pay. But in all honesty, I just I wished uh, because of the style of game that it is, they put the emphasis on the cards rather than the stuff that doesn't get used all that much. Don't get me wrong, the start player embossed cardboard thing that they have, beautiful, amazing. Yep. All it does is sit on the table. Same with the, the scoring tokens. It's not the thing that's moving the game or driving the game. Yeah. Agreed. Cool. Well, that that was a fun little discussion. <laughs> I don't think either of us were expecting, but... Yeah. I mean, once again, I, I'm going to give a shout-out to Buffalo. Hey, hey, Buffalo, if you're listening, Buffalo game, Puzzles and Games, we're huge fans right now. Send some games our way. It'd yeah. be nice. I appreciate it. We, we, we wouldn't mind a sponsorship. We'll gladly like, make commercials here. Anyway, we digress. Let's, uh, let's move on. Let's get into the actual top eight debate. Yeah, I'm ready for that. What's because our topic this week? Just for the simple fact that you're right there, so I can literally, if you just annoy me. It happens. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot. It wasn't the lockdowns that made us not film for a year and a half. So today's theme is the best game that has a nature theme. And so Board Game Geek uh, says that the nature theme is defined by a game, expansions, promos, etc. Featuring nature and theme or gameplay. Very cool. And uh, Dice Strike added into our previous conversation. Star Wars Epic Duels. Uh, game was super poor low or super poor card quality, which it really was. I used to own it. It was garbage quality. 
but the game was $25 brand new. I spent $2 putting plain sleeves on the cards and now it's about 20 years old and the cards are still like new, but I agree if you are going to focus on your quality, focus it on the components that will be handled the most. Yes. Yeah, Agreed. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, so our top eight debates are always handled uh, the same way. We take a theme uh, or a topic, mechanism, anything on BoardGameGeek.com that we can rank. We put it in order from the top highest ranked from the viewers or from the uh, votes votes on BoardGameGeek. And then we take the top eight of the ones that you and I have both played. Daniel, explain to them why it, it's important that we have both played it. The reason we do this is because this way we can make sound arguments. It's uh, less likely to be more of the, um, I guess you're right, I'm not sure, I haven't played that before, so I can't really make that decision on it. And this way we can actually make the argument and actually get into fights, you know, you know what you guys come to see. Yeah, exactly. The fist fight. So we take the top eight, and then we rank them, uh, of course, recording that, and then we debate them over five specific categories. These categories we've broken down that we think is effectively the definitive list of how we break these down. And uh, the first one is ease of play. Ease of play breaks down into three subcategories. We have simplicity, simplicity and familiarity with the rules and mechanisms. So if it's a roll and move, it's probably going to score pretty high in that because everybody knows how to roll two dice and move a piece. But if it's a roll and move and then you're rolling dice and then go to a combat results table all of a sudden in a war game, well, then that's not as familiar and it's not as simple. So yep. we appreciate the elegance of it. And what is the likelihood of getting it to the table as in either the theme or uh, is it easy to get to the table based on just the mechanisms alone? It's like if you say deck builder, people might stand off a little bit going, eh, it's like magic. No, no, you play it. You build the deck as you're playing. Oh, okay, well, let's try it. You know, or if it's like something like a mechanism like a dexterity, anybody can play a dexterity game. Yep. And then likelihood of, an, or I'm sorry, AP prone, which is a term called analysis paralysis. What is the likelihood that the game allows so many options or so specific rules that the players shut down on their turn, either trying to consider all of the options or is just overwhelmed? That we consider a very negative on. On games. And so if you win that part of the game, you're out. <laughs> you basically lose. Mm -hmm. uh, and before we move on, Dice Chuck says, Wingspan and Robinson Caruso are the only ones that come to mind on today's topic for me at the moment. I love Caruso, and Wingspan looks good to me, and I look forward to trying to someday. And we'll get a little bit more on Wingspan here in a bit. But the next criteria is replay value. This for us, is meaning the length of time as well as the scaling. Does a two-player game play as well as a four-player game? And does it add too much time when you add more players to it? Uh, minimum number of plays to get the full experience. This means how many times do you have to play the game to really fully grasp what's going on in the game? Or is it... As we said, a simple roll and write. You roll some dice, you mark some numbers. You play that once, you pretty much know how to play that game. As well as expandability. Already existing expansions, up to one possible future expansions. If there's a volume one, we're assuming there may be a volume two somewhere down the line. Or it's been confirmed by the designer or the publisher. Okay. Next topic is art and production. Art and production breaks down into very three easy categories. Art for one, which we know is subjective, but there are very clearly some games that utilize the art to benefit the game itself, and some, eh, not so much. <coughs> yeah. Uh, the pieces and components. 
we we had a discussion about this already but if you're playing a deck building game and the cards start sticking and because there's poor quality cards that's going to take you down a notch and design specifically we like to focus on graphic design because something that longtime viewers of the podcast will know daniel and i are both colorblind if your game's not colorblind friendly <laughs> we're gonna knock it we're we're knocking you down real fast and you better believe it that <laughs> matters or i mean functionally like if it's just like a wall of text like on or a iconography card, or like overwhelming iconography if it's not clear what the icons do I'm looking at you, Race for the Galaxy. Um, <laughs> then, then, you know, it's just not as fun for the players because you have to keep looking at a reference card. or Like, when you have a reference sheet that's, like, the size of the table and, and to figure out all the icons on the card, then your icons aren't worth doing what they need to do. Um, moving on to our next criteria, and this one's a big one for us. This is meaningful choice. The well, we, we, way we break this one down is how it impacts other player strategies. Are you making decisions that could hurt the other player, therefore giving you a better chance of win? Impacting your own long-term strategy as well as the, if you focus on one thing, will it be a winning scenario for you or are you allowed to pivot uh, quite a bit? As well as do arbitrary choices make an impact on the game? And what we mean by that is if it's all down to dice rolling, you have no way of winning that unless there's mitigating factors like playing a card that allows you to flip something or using it where you can use one thing to flip it to a six to a one and that kind of stuff. So if it's just straight pure dice rolling, then it's lucky and it's an arbitrary choice. Mm -hmm. And finally, our last category is game immersion. Does the theme match the mechanism? In this week's theme, we picked nature games. Does it feel like you're in nature or interacting with nature? Or is it just a nature theme playing, you know, poker? Yeah. You know, that, that's something that we're really going to have to focus on and which brings out that theme. Secondly, player interaction. We love it when games bring out the best in player interaction and the players talk to each other in character. They role play. I don't like role playing games, but if I'm talking like a pirate because of one of my, because of one of my games... I love it. I think that's really important. And then finally, memorable moments. The stand-up times where everybody stops what they're doing, stands up, starts sharing, and people from other tables start looking like, what game are they playing? There are some games that do wonderful time, wonderful times for that. Or, that could be vice versa. What games have given you really bad memorable <laughs> moments? Like, man, this one time I played it, oh, it sucked the fun out of that. That game caused us to play for five hours too long. Yeah, no. <laughs> Dice check. Ah, I see Daniel was scarred by Candyland and Snakes and Ladders when his young self realized that those games have zero choices. Yes. Yep. Yes, I was. <laughs> and finally, the last thing we do need to mention, every uh, topic debate, we put a poll on the board game revolution community on facebook that is our tiebreaker if for some reason me and daniel cannot come up with a, a concise winner we go to the fan vote that's right and daniel i hate to say it i've broken theme this time around really i don't have a coin on me i gave away all my pocket change for once so i'm gonna have to ask you for not only the cup of dune but the coin of doom as well. I may have to do the die of doom because I don't oh, have a man. coin in here. All I right, used we'll to. Do, we'll do a die of doom. Unless one of your games back here has a coin, we'll talk about that. And yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> and Dice Track also brought in some good points. He said, I like your point about the art being subjective. I've seen some reviewers really dump on some art that I really love. And we try to keep that pretty fair. It, yeah, yeah. Him and I both have fairly similar 
uh, takes on, on what we like in art, but if there is a time that we do disagree and we say, no, I think that's just objectively a better better art, or I like that style, I like the colors in it, then we just say it's a wash and we call it a tie, not a big deal. But, you know, we get that some people like it. Like me, I love Bonanza. The art, I mean, it's fun, uh, it, yeah, but the graphic design is like, oh, oh it's yeah. like that. I love yellow, but I don't like that yellow box. I'm trying to figure out where my bag of dice went. I just had it. I wish I could tell you. Um, and then he also oh. pointed out that AP is really unfun. It's... If the game is cooperative, then AP is kind of mitigated because, you know, you don't mind co-ops being a bit puzzling and you know, all players get to be engaged. But if one player is trying to outplay everybody, but then taking 20 minutes to do so every turn, oh, it drags so much. And the dice are right on that shelf over there. Okay, I'll get those. <laughs> and uh, he also adds that he has an MMA game that most everyone plays standing because the game can end at any moment with a knockout or a tap out. And everyone gets invested in groans or cheers when the match ends in a KO or a submission. So exciting. They just can't stay seated while playing it due to the excitement. And yeah, that, that's what we're talking about when it comes yep. to memorable moments. It can be not the best game ever. But if it leads to that moment where you stand up and are cheering and having a great time, then that's all that matters. Yeah, that's about the only thing I think on your list that uh, Lupin Louie gets. Because <laughs> <laughs> you argue hard against it otherwise, but uh, like, you can't deny it. It's like, man, that has some stand-up moments. In it in it does. Part. The stand-up moment when I want to throw it against the wall. <laughs> I, You know, our good mutual friend Jim, he actually had a really good counter-argument. Uh, that benefited your argument because I brought. We were playing Loop and Louie, uh-huh. and uh, and I I told him I was like in a game like this, I was like if somebody is so skilled that that you are they are able to knock out a person, I was like doesn't that make it a better game than a bad game? And this is from a way previous topic because you said that you think that makes it a terrible game. I said it makes it a good game because like pool. For example, I could potentially play a perfect game and then take you out of it. And his counter-argument was simply, it's like, it in pool, you you will always have at least one chance, you know, to be able to play against the other player or games like that. Um, in Loop and Louie, somebody could potentially make it so they only play and you never have the opportunity to play, which I think was your argument. Yeah. But he said it so much better, <laughs> and I, I kind of had to concede to that. I still think it's way more fun than most, but I, I'm starting to see your I'm starting to see your argument. <laughs> nah, yeah. and, and the thing is, like, I, like your counter argument was like, someone's skilled and they can do it, and yeah, it's fine. But a lot of those games that you're talking about that require skills, you're usually playing against someone that was at your skill level. If you're playing right. someone who doesn't have that skill, it's going to take them out of the game. Yeah, I and so a good comparison and a weird comparison I would make is like football. Like technically, if there's a team that's so much better than the other team, you know they're going to be scoring all the points, they're going to be doing all the stuff, but they never prevent the other team from touching the ball. Yeah, at yeah. any point, there's always as soon as they score a touchdown and they get their field goal, which inevitably they do because they're that much better, right? Yeah. The bad team, they get that chance to return the ball, mm-hmm. and at least they have four turns to do it. Worst case scenario, unless um, they get intercepted, of course. Unless they score a touchdown in yeah. overtime, and then no. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, but, you know, but that they still touch the ball; it's still yeah. in their control. Then at that point, it is skill. So I'm starting to see your argument, and uh, I'm curious. The next time we end up arguing about Loop and Louie, <laughs> I'm going to have to concede a little bit for it. 
All right, but with that being said, let's get into some of the honorable mentions from our audience, as well as our honorable mentions. Um, starting with Ben, he added Parks. Um, you've played this. I haven't, so go ahead. Yeah, I, I think Parks is an absolutely brilliant game. We're going to be talking about it a little bit more <laughs> here, here in the future. All right, Dice Chuck says he's played a Star Wars trivia game with friends, and you have to get a question wrong to end your turn. Therefore, they will never play that game with me again because they <laughs> don't get the play. Because I'm a huge nerd. I, I get yep. it. Yeah, it's like me trying to play like the Big Bang Theory trivia game against my wife. It's just, it's not going to work for me nope. in my favor. So much the point where you got rid of it. I never yeah. actually had it. Well, wasn't it you? No, it was our mutual friend who gave me his copy of <laughs> yep. the Big Bang Theory game. Right, because I gave it to my wife and, and my father-in-law. So uh, the next one added by Ryan, he added Oceans, which was not on our list. And so you know more about Oceans than I. We'll talk about it a little later. Okay. Next added by Vincent is Dominant Species. Now, I think this is a game that neither one of us have played. No. No, I've been wanting to. I have I have had opportunities to buy it. It's just the components look so dull. <laughs> yeah. Like, and I know I'm not a component person. I love Euro games, but it's hard for me to imagine different colors of cubes as different species of animals, and that's really tough for me. Yeah, no, when it comes down to that, when it's just cubes to make a resource, like, that's why I have such a hard time. And that, as you can see on my shelf behind me, I have Agricola. Mm -hmm. And I have issues with Agricola just because the disc that yeah. I don't feel like I'm playing as a person. Yeah. It's because it's a disc. Because it's a disc, yeah. <laughs> Whereas I, I get that with dominant uh, species as well. I do want to try to see it... Um, yeah, and Tom Vassell raves about dominant species. It, it I've heard really good things about it. It's just it's again it's a hard. It uh, I think it was on one of their top tens where it's like yep. uh, great games that are ugly or something like yeah. that. And dominant species was up there. And I agree, this is probably one yep. of the ugliest games out there, especially for what it's trying to convey. Yeah, I mean, all they need is just like little dinosaur meeples. Should be fine. <laughs> yeah, like that I think would solve the problem. Uh, Dave added photosynthesis, which you have not played this one. Right? I have not. I've been wanting to try it. I've heard really good thing about it. And what makes it really brilliant. And I really appreciate this fact is that it is a perfect strategy game. It is a perfectly perfect strategy game. There's no random in this game. You put your piece out <coughs> and that affects the shadow of the other people. You know where the sun's going to go. Yeah. You know where the shadow is going to go. You know what, what everything's going to be. Everybody knows this. And you have to outplay the other player. I think that's really brilliant. I have not played it in about three years. And I own it. <laughs> uh, I do I do want to try it. It yeah. looks really good. Uh, I just haven't got it to the table. Yep. And now, Daniels, don't be component snobs. Wag finger. Give those wooden cubes some love and use your imagination. Oh, yeah. No, I, I get We are that. huge Stefan Feld fans. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah I was going to say. <laughs> I have a whole shelf for Feld. I don't know if you can see it. I don't even know. Probably not. Have. No, it's at the bottom shelf right there. Yeah. <laughs> You put Feld on the bottom? What's wrong with you, sir? We need to fix that. That needs to be right up here, like right in our peripheral. I've, I'm not done getting my shells together. I just Rising put it there Sun for the needs time. to drop because it's so heavy, and <laughs> Feld needs to go right there. Hey, those hold 300 pounds each, all right? So one and a half Rising Suns, got it. <laughs> all right, so the next one on our list was added by Tana, and she said Meadow. I'm not familiar with this one, are you? It's brand new, yeah. It, it's brand new. It looks super cool. Um... The art is very pretty. Other than that, I don't know anything about it. Yeah, I'm not too familiar with it. I, I actually, I've watched part of the review and I fell asleep. <laughs> it was, that it was says a night. lot. No, it was late at night. And I was watching watching the review and I just crashed out. 
But from the like two minutes that I got into it, I was like, "Ma, that looks really interesting," <laughs> you know. And I was out. Um, <laughs> now, yeah. Next, uh, added by Michael Root. Oh man, I have love hate with with Root. I ended up selling my copy with the expansion because I could never get it to the table. I I bought the app for it so I can learn how to play it and then teach you guys excitingly. And I just could never bring myself to do it. It's just it's it uses kind of random dice rolling for for combat. Yeah. It's it's a strategy game, but because of how different it is, it's it's a perfect example of be careful what you wish for. Everybody's been thinking it's like, man, we want a good, solid, asymmetric where everybody can play, and and have just as much of a chance as anybody else. And it's just, I don't know. It's so tough. I'm waiting for the lightweight asymmetric game. Maybe Fort. Maybe Fort. I, I heard Fort. Fort yeah. yeah. But uh, Root. I mean, I want to try it. It's just, it's one of those things. And I, I do have a heavier asymmetric that I just got. Mm-hmm. But it's nowhere near as heavy as Root. And this yeah. is that that's Yumi Full Moon Down. I finally got my expansion or my um, Kickstarter in. And I was going through the rules and I was watching a watch it played and how to trade it. Um, and I'm like, oh my god, this seems simpler than because everybody does the same kind of actions. You just have different ways you go about it. From what I could see in Sukiyumi, you know, Sukiyumi. Yeah. whereas Root, it's just like, oh, you do this. This character does this. This character does this. It's completely asymmetric, and it's just it's a rough. It's one of those games that once you know how to play it, it's a lifestyle game. That's all you're really gonna play mm-hmm. for years on end. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just. We like board games, and we like collecting them and having fun with them. And so if it's a lifestyle game, uh, other than the only lifestyle game I'm in right now is Gloomhaven. Yep. Yep, and that's the only one you should be in. <laughs> Until we get those legacy games back on the... Do you still have the legacy games? I'm sure you do somewhere. They're up there. Okay, good man. Uh, and the next <laughs> on our list here was added by Joel. And I didn't put this on my list because it wasn't in the category, but I thought about it because Oceans is on here. Yep. And that's Evolution. I really do enjoy the game. Now, I finally sold it. Uh, just uh, recently when we went last to Tucson, it was in my sell bag just because it never hit the table. Really? Yeah. Wow. I think and the last time. Game. Yeah. The last time I played that game is when I showed it to you and your wife. That was wow. about four years ago. Yep. And so it's a great game. I enjoy the game. It just never hit the table. And I enjoy it. You're basically creating creatures and evolving them to survive and try to get the most points as best as you can. I dig it. I am a really big fan of it. If you can find Evolution, The New Beginnings, that was the Target exclusive for the while. I think that one is a lot better for what most people want it for. But Evolution, I really wanted to get the climate to go with it because that changes some stuff up. But, again, four years. And uh, Dice Truck brought up a good point. The most asymmetric game he has is Vast. Uh, the Crystal Caverns. It's a wonderful game, but it's murder to teach due to being essentially five games in one, so it never hits the table. I joined uh, one of our mutual friends at his, one of his game nights, and I remember I showed up, and they were playing Vast. And uh, I was like, oh, like how long you guys have been playing it? And he was like, oh, well, we've been playing it for about an hour now. I was like, cool. All right, that works. He was like, all right. And we're almost done with the first turn. <laughs> you know, it was like, whoa, okay. They ended up playing it for a total of three hours. I sat there for the next two hours. And uh, they were maybe two-thirds of the game done. Before they finally Before they, they packed it up. They didn't even finish it. They are like, it's cool, but everybody was like, eh, at the same time. It's hard yeah, to justify. I've played Vast. 
And the thing about Vast that bothered me was that if you're playing a two-player game, you can only play two characters. You can't play anything else in the box. It depends on how big the player count gets, which characters can be played. And I have an issue with that, because if I only ever play at two players, I can only play as the hero or the cave, I think it's what it is for two Mm -hmm. players. That's it. Mm -hmm. And so... I don't get to see what those other ones do unless I play with a bigger player count. And then it becomes yep. more of a chore because, you, again, like Dice Chuck was saying, you can't teach the game to people. Yep. It's um, You have to give them kind of an overview of how the game works, but they have to learn how to play their own character because it's completely different than what everybody else does. Root is effectively the same way with the cats mm-hmm. and uh, birds. Uh, yeah. Uh, Inhabit the Earth was added by Kevin. Not heard of this one. No, I straight up honestly. If it's cool, it's cool. I don't know. Yeah, I have no clue about this one. I've never heard of, about it before. Cool. And uh, we have some comments down below. Uh, Tim says, "With genotype count, it doesn't seem to be listed on BDG. It seems at the very least relevant to people interested in the natural world." I said yes, and again, I clarified that we only use BGG as a way to find the games that we debate. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, it's weird. I. Ooh. Genotype probably would count, honestly. You know, no, I, I, like I said, I would count it. I, like I said, we just use Board Game Geek. This way we can reference yeah. it for people. And, and sometimes Board Game Geek like has ones that don't fit in the category. Like mm-hmm. I've seen, There was like a category I saw the other day. It was like 5x5 five five grid. And there was like a level 99 game. And I was like, wait, that, like this counts. <laughs> like Or uh, real-time games. And like one of those real-time games wasn't part of that list. It was really strange. Uh, Joel says, or Joel says, I prefer the Evolution Oceans line of games. Cool. And then finally, Kevin added, I add the best one, in my humble opinion, Inhabit the Earth. Again, sure, if it's the best one for you, I have no clue about that game. I'll have to look it up later after the podcast, but yeah. Yep. Cool. And so that was our contributors on there. Thank you all for everybody who commented and voted. Which lets us get into the debate. Yeah, and so we're going into the top eight debate of theme nature is how you can find it on board game geek okay so let's go ahead and start off with the die of doom that i got out should we so, the bracket uh, first? let's say yeah we can do that <laughs> or we can not jump ahead like in our normal format yeah our brackets we have our number one seed wingspan as if there was any question on that uh going up against our eight seed planet our number two seed everdell Going up against our seven seed, Kodama. Our number three seed, Takenoko. Going up against our six seed, Reef. And our number four seed, Abyss. Going up against our five seed, Mystic Veil. That four five is going to hurt me. Yep. Yep. That's, uh, I already have a favorite of mine so far, but we'll see how the, how the debate goes. Yeah, sounds good. And um, Dice Chuck was bringing up War of the Ring is asymmetrical, but the players at least are mostly using the same rule set, where vast you are not. I don't disagree, and you just gave me an idea for us to do as a top eight debate if we can ever get eight games played of asymmetrical asymmetric, games. Asymmetric, yeah. <laughs> Technically, chess is asymmetric. The player who goes first has a distinct advantage. Yeah. All right. You ready it's to not get... inv- asymmetric at all. Disney villainous technically is. You ready to get into this? Yeah. <laughs> I'm tangenting like crazy. So here we go. Let's talk about our honorable mentions, though. Oh, that's right. We're going ahead. Right. That's right. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's my uh, turn to go ahead. Insane. All right. So uh, one, two, or three, you'll go first. Four, five, six, I'll go first. So, Daniel, you'll start us off. All right. So my first honorable mention here uh, was mentioned in the comments, and that is Oceans. Now, 
interesting fact about my honorable mentions. I haven't played a single one of them. And the thing is, all eight games in the top eight of eight are the ones that I've played. And from their nature category, I didn't play any of these. Now, I played some of the ones that were mentioned. And Oceans is one that I haven't played. Now, Oceans, from my understanding, is a lot like Evolution, but in the ocean. The art is amazing and it's beautiful. And I wanted to do that Kickstarter just because of that art alone. The watercolor looking art that they put on it is just amazing um i think it plays a lot like evolution just in the ocean sense with some changes and some tweaks but i haven't actually got a chance to play it but man do i want to cool my number three i mean well how dare you cheat not putting games on your honorable mention that you haven't played mine wasn't on the list so <laughs> my number three is a card game called ohanami and and in my defense, you know, it's about planting a garden. Yeah, yeah. It's I a- think that's nature, personally. It doesn't have little creatures or bugs going mm-hmm. around. But hive only is bugs. So if, if you're going to say hive counts as part of the list because there is bugs moving around like bugs do, then me planting a garden, things that grow in nature, I think counts. So Ohanami from Panasaurus Games is a game where you are planting three gardens and you are adding uh, water, flowers, and two other types, stones, something else. And you have to add them in numbers. You have the numbers 1 through 120. And when you are playing to each of your gardens, you have to either play... Water, grass, stone, flowers. Yeah, water, grass, stone, flowers. You have to add either higher than the highest number you had previously played or lower than the lowest number you had previously played. Sounds very specific, but it's actually very doable. Uh, there's often very simple game. You probably won't get stuck too often, uh, maybe in the last round at most. But it's all just a matter of drafting and playing those out and playing the cards that you think make the most sense. And I like how I, I love the math in it. Like I, I really crunch the numbers. I know I've ranted about this before, but if you get water, which scores in all three rounds, the first round it's only three points. Second round another three points. And third round, another three points. That is technically your highest scoring thing if you have it at the beginning of the game. Because it's nine points. But if you don't, then it's worth consistently less. Whereas the most valuable thing Mm -hmm. uh, is... Well, it's four points for the next one, which I believe is the stones. Um, Or no, it's the grass, which scores twice. And Mm -hmm. at the end, it's the stones, which is seven points. But it only scores in that final round. Which makes sense, because if you have everything and, out for the whole rounds, it's 9, 8, and 7, and then it maths down to 6, 5. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's absolutely brilliant the way the math works on it, and the designer of it is is really smart for putting cards in that way. That's a super rant. It's actually really fun, too, if you don't like math. So Yeah, no, no, it's, it, it, it's a gorgeous game. I actually yeah. just recently played this last Thursday. Yeah. And I had a good time with it. It's a, it's a card game that I have to pick up. I'm a very big proponent of having a lot of small card games because they're just so simple. Like, I go over to a friend's house to swim in their pool, and when we get out and dry off and have lunch and stuff like that, we'll bust out little card games, roll and rights or card games. And this would be perfect up right up that alley because it's so simple, yep. so easy to teach and learn. It's beautiful. That's a good choice. Thank you. Wow. Sorry, sorry, that wasn't on your... uh... It wasn't on the nature (laughs) list. That needs to be fixed. All right, going on with my breaking the rules. uh... Which, you know, I'm going to rant. Herbaceous is on the list. Herbaceous 
is on the list, but Ohanami isn't. Anyway, rant over. You may continue. Uh, so my second <laughs> game on my list is another one I haven't played, but I really, really want to. I just, no one I know has a copy of it, or I haven't picked up one myself. And it's by a designer that we're going to be talking about a little later, and that's Elizabeth Hargrave. And this one is Tussie Mussy. You're making Victorian flower gardens, and I think the whole point of the game is, or the whole thing of the game is, like, there's 18 cards. That's about it. And you're going through and, you know, building yourself these um, gardens. You're trying to, I think it's, like, betting and bidding and stuff like that on cards and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I want to try it. I really do. It's looked good. I've heard good things. I am a big fan of Wingspan. I want to play this one, and I'm going to be talking about another one in a little bit. In theory, I should be getting it soon. In theory. In theory. My number two is a game, you know, a friend of the podcast, he's been on a, on our podcast before, John D. Clare. Uh, he likes to take games that he is in no way inspired by and make it revamped to being kind of better. Uh, this one, a few examples, I think they're both the same, but I'm saying Ecos by him. Um, it, yeah, you're building an Ecos communally as a group. I think it's called, the full name is what, Ecos, the first continent or the something? The first like continent, yep. Uh, Ecos uh, by AEG, really brilliant game. You're just pulling tokens. Everybody's putting the tokens onto their cards that match the symbol. Um, once you fill in a card, it's basically bingo. You do the ability, add animals to the ecosystem, building terrains, uh, modifying them in different ways, and scoring points in different ways based on how they work. Really smart game. Uh, my only my only quarrel with it, and it's a minor, minor uh, thing, I just think that there's too many animals. It's a lot to wrap your head around. You haven't played this one, right? No, I have not. No. Um, in the original game of Augustus, uh, Rise of Augustus, which is, this is kind of based off of Gamer Bingo. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. You had all very set stuff that you were working on, and once you complete a card, that's it. And once you get a certain number of cards, you can get bonus points. It's very, very straightforward. Very much a lightweight game, absolutely. This, because you're all communally working off of this board, it has more stand-up moments, I feel. Mm-hmm. But it's also like, oh, well, I'm going to put badgers there. It's like, do you have anything to do with badgers? No. Okay, cool. But you might like have, have a shark eat it. That'd be cool. But yeah. like, it's it, there's just so, there's probably like 15 different animals in the game that all interact in different ways. And you can work off of some of them, but... There could be instances where, like, I might put down, like, a whole herd of animals that you just don't care about at all. And that's my only quarrel with it. I don't think it's bad. I just don't think it's it's as immersive as it could be because of that. But it's a minor detail. No, no, it sounds pretty good. Um, just haven't um, <coughs> tried it. I've been wanting to, just haven't got around to it. I, I do like John DeClaire games. In fact, mm-hmm. yeah, he's on this list. <laughs> what do you know? <laughs> but uh, no, it's something I do have to um, look into. So the next and final game on my list is, I mentioned it earlier, another Elizabeth Hargrave game that I want to play and I just haven't got around to it. And I can buy it. It's at our Barnes and Nobles. I just haven't picked it up recently. It's at our local comic shop too as well. Well, that's right. Our local comic mm-hmm. shop that also sells games. And... I do need to pick it up. I want to try it. And this one is Mariposas. Now, I know more about this game than the other two that I talked about. This one, you're basically doing the monarch butterfly migrations. And you're trying to get them out there. And you're just trying to do like a set collection type thing where you're scoring as much points as you can by hitting this thing or these gold cards. And getting your butterflies all the way to... 
I think, to the north, and then you got to come back down. And it looks good. I really, really want to play it. Um, it's not the prettiest game she's ever designed, but it's another one by AEG that I've heard really mm-hmm. good things about. So it's one that I do want to get to the table. I am probably going to end up picking it up one of these days. I just haven't pulled the trigger yet, but that's Mariposas. And my final one, Daniel, you know I am a huge, huge fan of hiking. I used to hike all the time. I loved being out in, out in the desert, walking around, fighting off all the, the hazardous plants that we have in our local habitat. <laughs> yeah. But welcome to the desert where plants fight back. Um, and I, I absolutely love national parks. I love seeing outdoors and stuff like that. Even though I'm not an outdoorsy kind of person per se, I've never actually been camping, which is kind of sad. Um, never spent the night out in the wilderness, despite how much I love hiking, though. Parks. Parks is my number one, hands down. It it would have I would have fought really hard if you had played it. I think you would have fought hard too for it. But it's absolutely brilliant how it works. It's beautiful. It takes a lot of really smart mechanisms from a lot of games and puts it together in a very seamless way. You're basically resource managing, trading in the sets of resources for cards with points on it. Very simple. It's like basically Splendor, right? Yeah. But the catch is you're doing worker movement. And you can move as far as you want, but you can never go back. But you have two of those. So the way you time everything works really smart in how it works. And then the spaces get random every every season. So you can't have a defined strategy for it. And then jumping way far ahead, you know, sure you might be able to get that. You have you have the you are not allowed to put your worker on the same spot as another player. Okay. So you have to wait for them to either move it. Or you can use up your campfire, which lets you go to that spot and hmm. break that rule. But then everything else has abilities. And so some of the resources help you fill up your canteen, which gets abilities. Some of them lets you get uh, suns, which lets you get uh, equipment. And then the other ones, which are more rare, are the ones that score more points. And so there's so much really smart trade-off. And it's a gorgeous game. Oh my goodness, I'm so glad I have it in my collection. I cannot be more happy about it. I think it's absolutely brilliant. I can't wait to get Trails, the sequel. I was going to say, you, you also picked up Trails. I Another one uh, we mentioned at the top yep. of the podcast, Target has really stepped up their game with some of the games mm-hmm. that they picked up. Yep. Uh, no, I do need to try this one. I really do want to try this one. The, but it made me think of something that I'm surprised wasn't on the BGG theme nature list. Trekking uh, the national parks or trekking the world. Oh, yeah. Huh. It wasn't on the list. You know, sorry, Ohanami, that would have been my number three. Absolutely. Trekking is a really smart game. It's basically like Ticket to Ride, but with abilities. Yeah. Wow, that's a good point. I didn't realize Yeah, that. when you were talking about, like, parks and the National Park stuff, I'm like, why wasn't trekking on this list? Yeah. It just uh, uh, randomly thought of it right wow. now, so. Hmm. All right, you ready to get into this? I'm ready. Let's do this. Let's get into this fight. All right. All right. Let me see if I got my bludgeoning weapon nearby. There it is. All right. There we go. I'll just jab you right in the <laughs> eye. All right. Cool. So we're going to start this off. I have the Die of Doom. Same thing. One, two, three, four, five, six. Let's see who goes first. I'll be taking the first argument. This will be between get... Wingspan and Planet. 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 Hands down. Can't wait to do this. This game is about building an ecosystem. It's a really solid game. It's incredibly smart because you have pentagonal magnetic tiles. You're building on an dodecahedron, if I'm not mistaken, a 12-sided die. It has 12... Because <laughs> an icosahedron is a 20-sided. Uh, a dodecahedron 
has 12 sides on it. It's basically, it looks like a soccer ball, kind of. Uh, a soccer ball has different shapes, but it looks kind of like a soccer ball because it's a bunch of pentagons. Each of these pentagons have uh, one of like four different terrain types. There's like desert, there's water, and it's pretty clear, even though it's basically just colored, I can see it pretty well, and so can you. You know, I there's some there, there, there's there was, two that that really yeah. touch, like like the grasslands and the desert. Were yeah, really similar. yeah. But everything else is really clear as day. Yeah. And so you're putting them on this, and you're building a planet, and all you're doing is drafting these tiles. That's all it is. And when you're all done, you're going to have this beautifully constructed planet, and then you're going to be revealing different ways to score points throughout the way that you score points is based on like which which regions are touching each other. Uh, certain animals like certain regions. Like you, if you have a region that that does touch one style but doesn't touch another, then that's how you score those animals. It it's super smart and it's really fast. And then at the end of it, you have this beautiful, like big chunky component of magnetic uh, of magnetic goodness. You know, as you have this three D planet that you have constructed, it's really smart. I like it a lot. It's going to be hard to go up against Wingspan, but it definitely has... It, it, it beats has it out a, in a lot of categories. It, it, it doesn't have a chance. The, the problem is Wingspan's number, uh, ranked 20 on BGG for a reason. And it's not just because of the Stonemaier factor. It's a really good game. You're basically... Some people will say you're... Um, from what I've heard, you're bird watchers and you're going to their habitats and seeing the birds. And these are the ones that you're marking on your book. I've also heard that you're making a habitat and these are the birds that are living in your habitat because you made it... A, a safer place for them so take it what you will but i've heard it's the, it's more about bird watching because um shockingly enough surprise surprise she made a bird game elizabeth hardgrave is actually a big uh, bird watcher i wouldn't have guessed <laughs> what do you know so the thing about it is the art is amazing in this game uh, to the fact that they made their own art book based off some of the art in this game by the three artists uh, another thing about it is it's not as easy to teach and learn as, say, Planet is, but it's it's up there. It's When you say, like, Ticket to Ride, where it's, like, an uh, entry-level game for players, I say Wingspan's just right above that. It's one of the... No, I strongly disagree with that. Ticket to Ride is incredibly simple. Yeah, but I'm saying, like, when you're talking about, like, the, the welcoming games, I think is what uh, Dice Tower calls them now, or Gateway games. I'm saying Wingspan is a step above Gateway. It's like... Are you saying... Are what, you saying because of the theme or the mechanism? Uh, I just think it, just the the complexity is it's more complex than Ticket to Ride, but it's not so as complex as say something like Terraforming Mars. So it's uh, that's still a huge. I jump. would say it's a lightweight more than a heavyweight. I would say it's definitely heavyweight. Mm. If we're if it's if it's lighter day, it's heavyweight for sure, because of how many moving parts there are. The thing is, is that's not that much moving parts. You're just going down a line and activating powers. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's that's you have to choose I, again, which. Which I'm not you saying take. it's a yeah. gateway game. I'm saying okay. it's All a right. next step up. I I think it's definitely mi middle heavy. I would not consider that middle heavy because mm -hmm. terraforming Mars is considered middle heavy mm, by people who are wrong. Have you seen the weight complexity I, on BGG? I don't, I don't disagree with that. I think that the complexity is, is right on par. I think they're about the same. Because Terraforming Mars... The, the, there is a lot each more of the moving. Cards, each of the cards are more complicated, but you're not doing anything other than playing cards. There's a lot more moving parts in Terraforming Mars than Wingspan. As someone who's played a mess out of 
both of them? <laughs> I've played a lot of both, and uh, they're about the same. They're not the same Absolutely. at all. I would the, teach you're, someone. Engin- you're saying like the like the next level up would be like Carcassonne Hunters and Gatherers. You're like, oh, that's as complicated as Wingspan. No, Wingspan is way more hard to get into. It takes you. It's a hard learning curve. It's not that hard of a learning curve. I've taught Absolutely. this to more people, and I get my butt kicked by them. And I've played this by okay <laughs> by far. It's that's not that hard player. to learn. I'm just saying it's not as hard as it's. it's, it's yeah, you're right. It's, it's, not as hard <laughs> as it sounds. it's harder than it it it, it really is. <laughs> nah, it's not that hard. I, I've played other engine builder. The only engine builder I think is simpler than Wingspan is Gizmos. I there's plenty of engine builders I've played. Any deck builder. Yeah, I guess you consider a deck builder an engine builder, I guess. But that's beside the point. I don't consider deck builders and engine builders the same thing. Are you saying tableau builders, then? All right, fine, tableau builders. Okay. But I think Wingspan is not that difficult. It's easily one of the best produced games on this list. Easily one of the best produced games. There is a lot more meaningful choice in Wingspan. A lot more meaningful choice. I really get more into the immersion of itself in Wingspan than Planet, because when it comes down to it, I'm just kind of matching my my territories together to try to score a card more so than not. Um, But uh, AP prone, I do have to say that um, Wingspan can lead to a lot more AP analysis paralysis with some people, especially when you get into more of the expansions into it. But when talking about replay value... (laughs) There's supposed to be six right. expansions in total yeah. to the fact that they're making a nesting box for future expansions and they've only had two released. Yep. Um, so for me, I think Wingspan is the better game and should move on. I, I like Planet. I think it's a good game. The thing is, it's it's just not as enthralling to say something. You don't get as deep sure. into it than you would like with say something with wingspan where you're like oh don't take that penguin don't take that penguin out of the tray <laughs> I, i've had people yell at me because i took the penguin oh yeah well it's because penguins are amazing but yeah i'm just they're saying birds that wear tuxedos come on <laughs> they're amazing no but, i i agree wingspan should move on but that i i think the two categories that if we broke it down ease of play definitely is is planet, planet. and co- production I don't know. I, I like the art better in Wingspan, but that production of building a 3D planet is incredibly immersive. The component I, quality I, is solid. I get that, but the, it, it, that's fine. But that's really all it is, is you're building mm-hmm. a 3D planet. Yeah. When you go when you go down to the eggs, the tokens, the all the stuff yeah. that you're using. Cardboard the, tokens. Yep. In the cubes. But mm-hmm. Stonemaier is yeah. easily one of the best production companies out there. Yeah. I'm just saying, like... Yeah, all all cards. you got like is a magnetic, twelve sided yeah, dice. You have a three D tactile manipulative piece in front of you that, that like it, it's it's a better component. It really is. I mean, it, it's something that they had to. That is the better have, component when you're counting all the other components. Yes, you including have magnets the and the planet. All of those together <laughs> work really well. The two different components. That's it. I'm saying like all of the components are fine in Wingspan. They're they're good. They're they're better than average. I'll give you I'm that. Just, I have I'm just saying, like I think the components is- are better in in and the iconography doesn't need to be complicated. It, it's simpler and it's functionally just simpler. But I'm just saying it's it's better than Wingspan. I'm uh. still saying Wingspan should move on. 
I'm no, just I'm, ju- I'm saying, just saying. I think Planet is. I, I, is I would a better have to quality. disagree with you just because uh, it's quality in quantity over just that one thing, and the fact that those magnets, a hundred percent, are the- nice, but their art sucks on them. <laughs> their cards are nice. The art, the, the art on the magnets the suck. Art is fine. The art is fine. Really? Because I could see everything in Wingspan. I, I have you, a hard time with the I desert. Would give in the- art to Wingspan. I'm fine with that. I'm saying production quality, one hundred percent. Of the production in Planet is good. It's two pieces, but it's a hundred percent. It's solid. Uh, wingspan, you know, it's okay. The cardboard tokens are a little chintzy. It's fine. The bird feeder Actually, is cool. The cardboard I'm pieces are not chintzy. There's they're some. Fine. They're they're, they're just... quacks of Quinling bird quality, yeah, and that's fine. It's okay. It's nothing special. It's not something I'm going to write home about. It's like. Hey, hey, mom! Let me tell you about this cardboard worm. Really, this coming like, from what? this coming from the guy who has some of the worst produced games out there. My quality production wise. quality doesn't have. I'm not talking to do. about your games. I'm oh, talking about some of the stuff you collect. Yeah. Don't even fine. get me started on that one game but that I has the worst that. insert ever. But I admit that. And don't fault. even get me started on the birdhouse. I, I'm sorry. It, it's <laughs> it's staying. How many of the pieces have you replaced in in Wingspan? Uh, I did get the upgraded components for. The uh, the food pieces just because I wanted it, the upgraded put components doesn't mean it's not great already to begin with. It's just it's nice. Yeah, it's nice because people provide nicer upgrade components compared to Planet, where it's basically Planet a is one, the upgraded component. <laughs> it's a one and done, and you don't need to upgrade it. It's honestly, fine. that is it's perfect. Other than uh, <laughs> a friend of mine made me three D printed birdhouses for Wingspan mm-hmm. as a gift. That's yeah. the only other thing I've upgraded. Yeah. But that's just because it was given as a gift. <laughs> we'll make this ultimate game. The centerpiece is a magnetic dodecahedron's in the shape of a blue jay. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay, All, right so we're... All right. Wingspan moves on. <laughs> Thank you, Dice Chuck, for putting an end to this. All right. So our next round. I bet you my wife is in the other room where she's like, oh my God, this is going to be my life now, isn't well, it? Well, the good thing is she doesn't have to stream us anywhere, <laughs> anymore to troll us. She can just pop her head in the window or in the door. Uh, you'll be starting us off on this next round. Everdell versus Kodama. I got Kodama, the one I least remember. Do you want me to help remind? Yeah, give me a little rundown okay. real so quick. So Kodama, the way it works is that you are playing cards into like this 3D really neat tree. Um, and then you count the features that are on that tree down the branch yeah. to the base. Yeah, that, um, it's the... It is a drafting game. Yeah, yeah, I forget the exact mechanism for drafting. I'll look into that here in a minute. But that no, is... no, no. I, I I don't remember how the mechanism works. But yeah, no, no. I I got the gist of it. It's the 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 how the score was the one thing I couldn't yeah. remember. Yeah, if the, if you're missing a spot, like if you're on worm worm, and then there's no more worms, worm. then you only count yeah. up to that spot. You know, there's one below. No, so Kadama. I know. I don't think you're like a huge, huge fan of it, but I really, I enjoyed it when we played it. I mm-hmm. thought it was a really good game. It's not the best game on the list, and you know how I feel about Everdell. So, uh, um, can you guys see it? No, it doesn't look like it. But I even have the collector's edition coming in soon, so that tells you how much I like Everdell. Mm-hmm. Um, but with this one, Kadama is it's. It's basically just cards. That's all it is. You have your base of your tree, and you're putting your cards out in the branch, and you're trying to score the most points for, like, worms. And I think it's, what, apples and some other designs. Like worms, stars, clouds, And you play stuff like that. over three rounds, if mm-hmm. I remember correctly. And whoever has the highest score wins. It's real simple. You taught me while we were sitting out there uh, outside waiting for the store to close where we could um, hang out with some friends afterwards. Um, there's a lot of meaningful choices in the game, but... 
there's not that much when you compare it to other games. Uh, replay value, they've made other games in the Kadama line, but they never really come up with an expansion for it. So it's it's where I think it could fight is art and production, just because how good the art is in that game and how Hanjai Moria, I think, is how you pronounce the name. And the the the, the issue with um, Everdell is that as nice as that tree is. It's annoying. It really is. Because if you're playing a four-player game, it's blocking the view of some players. And then unless you 3D print something, you can't see the cards when they're on the tree for, like, the in-game scoring. They're laying down, so you have to pick them up and look at them. Unless you, again, unless you 3D print something to put on there. The components themselves in Everdell is really nice, but that tree is just, it's a, to the point, they made an expansion where you don't use the tree. Yeah. Uh, that tells you it, it's nice. It it's got table presence up the wazoo. But as much as I enjoyed Kodama, I I have to argue for it. I can't see it moving on because just Everdell does a lot of Kodama's stuff like in category wise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean they both have trees. <laughs> but I'm talking we're about talking like, nature. Yeah, so that's why. No, I I don't disagree. It, it's you know it's a simple drafting game. It's made to be a simple one with a really cool twist to it, and the fact that you're building this 3D tree mm-hmm. and and, so and technically you're, you're you laying just your do, cards like, just yeah. right and mm-hmm. stuff like that, and you can't get it below the trunk or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So like functionally, it may it adds this extra little twist to it that you can only if you're if you're trying to score the most amount of points you can, then you know you're you're going backwards in a way, which yeah. is kind of interesting. But it's still like, okay, when do I want to place this? When do I want to plan accordingly? And so that makes it a very interesting choice. The only problem that I have with it is as fun as it is and how popular it is at the shop, and I do own it and I I happily own it, I keep forgetting I own it. <laughs> until we until we see it on a list, I always forget that I own the game. And I feel like it's forgettable and it's that's kind of sad. Uh, but I do agree. Everdell, for reasons which we will debate later on, I think we'll move on. Yeah, I just there's a lot going. There's a lot of moving parts, and that that's sometimes an issue when we got some of these bigger games going against these smaller games. There's just more to it, so there's more um, meat on the bone, I guess you can say. Yeah, that allows it to move on. So we're gonna go ahead and move on to the next round. Everdale moves on. All right. So our next one is Takenoko versus Reef, and Daniel, I will be going first this time. All right, let's get so the cup of doom. which one will I get? Let's find out. You get... Out of all these games, these are probably the two most different out of the two. Yeah, I would say so. You get Takenoko. Okay. So, Takenoko, you're playing as... Uh, I don't know what you're playing as, technically. <laughs> you're, you're playing building this garden, growing different colors of bamboo, uh, moving a gardener around, harvesting the bamboo, moving a panda around, and eating said bamboo. And trying to get the regions in certain combinations. Nice production quality. Um, the tiles are big, big chunky tiles. Much bigger than most other like hexes that you're building the board. And I do like the uh, blue sticks as you're irrigating it as they move out. That Those are nice and easy to see. And of course the gardener and the panda mini are really quality. As well as the bamboo. They stack up really nice and they look really neat. It, it's a cool game. Uh, you have a number of objectives of what you're trying to complete. Like you're you're basically completing goal cards for points. If I complete a goal card that has uh, that has like three uh, green terrain in a ca- in a triangle, then I can score the number of points for that. But we're all communally working off the same one, 
moving the panda in a straight line, moving the gardener, um, growing bamboo wherever he goes, and then eating the bamboo scores points and you keep the bamboo. It's really weird. Um, but it's just good production quality. Interesting game. One of the biggest games from Antoine Bauza um, that, that has yeah. came out and definitely one of his more flagship games is still in production as far as I know. And they they even made like a big box for it as well mm-hmm. as because um, I have actually seen the big version of it, the big box version. Yep. Um, they had it when I went to Dice Tower West in 2019 and it's great looking i just i can't stand this game for one simple reason that we talk about all the all right, time and here we go art and production you're it, done yeah you're done <laughs> it is not colorblind friendly in the slightest at all there's like a variation like two like the brown and the green look really close together and i guess there's a red in there i think yeah, i'm not it's like, sure it's, they're all pastel <laughs> yeah. yeah pastel brown green and red is not okay <laughs> it's not okay i'm sorry the the production would it would it fails art and production immediately. Reef gets it because they use bright colors and the shapes are different. It's all you had to do. And and the thing is, with the when it comes to red green color blinds like you and me, is all you got to do is if you're going to use both red and green, make one dark and make the other one lighter. This way we could tell the difference. The shade difference is very important for uh, colorblind people. So mm-hmm. and I, a big part of it is I talk about Stonemeyer all the time. They're very good about that because if they're going to use a red, it's usually a dark red. And if they're going to use a, gr- a green, it's going to be a lighter green because there is a difference that you can tell and it makes it, oh, that is red. And you put yep. the red and the green together and you can tell the difference between the two. And um, Takenoko, oh my god, is it just like I thought I was winning the game and I was playing cards and they're like, those aren't the same color. Those are three different colors. What? Yeah. Yeah. That it takes players really out of it really fast. <laughs> and the, and that the thing basis is alone. <laughs> I honestly like I'm gonna fight. I think Reef should move on. Because they both do a very similar concept, and mm-hmm. to like you're all communally, you know, working off the same stuff, and you're I building mean, patterns and stuff like build, that. It's pattern building. You're completing goal cards for points. You know, I think Reef is just a better game. I would play Reef over Takenoko any day of the week. Okay, well, do you want to make your argument, or do you want to? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll save it for next time. Uh, Reef <laughs> moves on. Sorry, Takenoko. So this is the six seed moving on. Therefore, it's going up against uh, Wingspan. Ooh, that'll be interesting. And our final round of the quarterfinals will be Abyss versus Mystic Veil. And Daniel, I'll be arguing again. This is not tough for me. I know hands down which one I prefer more than the other. Yeah, yeah. So just to let everybody know and our listeners and viewers, um, Takanoko, if you don't have kids who are colorblind and it's very family friendly, I I tell you, go ahead, try it out. Yep. But if you're colorblind, don't even touch it. Yep, it's not worth your time. And your choice is the one you wanted, Mystic Veil. Mystic Veil, let's do it. John DeClaire, need I say more? He made this game as an afterthought, and I know that <laughs> because he said that he he designed Edge of Darkness, <laughs> this big epic sprawling game that used a lot of really intriguing components, a lot of interesting ideas, and they said, okay, you know, let's tone it back a little bit. Let's try something else. And what he ended up making was a combination of Dominion or a deck builder meets Splendor meets, meets Quacks of Quedlinburg. Quacks of Quedlinburg. Yeah. It actually Quacks of Quedlinburg came meets after Splendor. It, but yeah. Yeah, but I mean it's it's brilliant. It's a there's a little bit of press your luck in it, 
which I know he he doesn't point that part out. I I think that's a brilliant part of the game. I oh, really yeah. like it a lot. But I like press your luck games, and you don't have to press your luck. You can just play out what you have. But more so, it's a resource management game, and you're using clear cards. Each card can have up to three sections, uh, top, middle, and bottom, and each of those have different abilities. But what you're trying to do is you're trying to build up your engine to get the best cards to put into your cards, So and you have so many cool options. You have basically the option, do I make big epic cards and then have like strong turns if those all come up at the same time? Or do I make all of my cards just kind of better? Because you don't have time to do both. You might be able to make one epic card and the rest of them kind of okay. But no, you don't have time to do everything. Yeah. So finding out that balance and, and oh my god, that alone intrigues the mess out of me. And I think this is absolutely brilliant because it does a unique gimmick of a mechanism with the clear cards and makes it not a gimmick. It's a gimmick if it doesn't work, as far as I'm concerned. Now it's a solid mechanism. Yeah, no, I don't hate it. Um, you know, my big issue with Mystic Veils is one of the knocks against it is the AP prone in it. When you're doing that card selection, that can slow the game down, especially when you got someone who's a min-maxer who will sit there instead of on everybody else's turn because, you know, if something gets bought, something comes out. Mm -hmm. They'll sit there and just kind of read through every card and see what works best. And it's like, yeah, it's fine. Take your uh, – do your turn as best as you can. But when we're still waiting on you five minutes later, it, it's an issue. And so that is my one gripe about Mystic Veil. And, in fact, I've played Mystic Veil and I've played Edge of Darkness. i played both of those card crafting games that you're talking about. And I prefer Mystic Veil. I, don't get me wrong. I like Edge of Darkness for that big, grandiose feel. But Mystic Veil just kind of zings a lot better than, say, Edge of Darkness does. Just because there's a lot of moving parts. I thought there was a lot of moving parts in Mystic Veil. <laughs> and then I played Edge of Darkness and I'm like, okay, let's go back to Edge of, uh, Mystic Veil. <laughs> right. Have you played uh, Custom Heroes? Uh, which one's that one? That's the other one made by John DeClaire after Mystic Veil. And it's basically a trick-taking game. No, I, I have not played that one. Crafting system. No, I have to look into that one. But it's interesting. So my argument here is Abyss, and I I do prefer Abyss over Mystic Veil. Vale. Um, it's much simpler. But when we're talking about like the uh, the theme matching the mechanism on this one, I guess Abyss is nature because you're underwater. But it's more of a political game than it is nature, so it really doesn't hit. And I, like like I said, I'm surprised this is in here and Trekking isn't. Because yeah. Abyss, yeah, you're underwater, you you have some creatures, you're, you're shrimp people or crab people, whatever you want to be. It just doesn't really fit that uh, that game immersion, I guess you could say, when we're yeah. talking about theme matching really me doesn't. mechanism. I don't know which one I would call easier. Both are pretty simple in an aspect, but the fact that you're the card crafting system... I remember the first time we played it, it took a little while to figure out how those cards really work together. <laughs> Whereas Abyss, you're just playing, you're, 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 you have three choices. You either do a little push your luck mechanism in the top to get as many of the, the smaller cards for you can buy things later on, or, you know, get pearls because people are outbidding you and taking the cards that you want, or you go down to the second and you just take whatever you want, like a group in a pile because they all get separated. Or in the third action is you buy a leader who will help you get locations later on or give you special abilities and powers and stuff like that by using its cost. And I really enjoy this. It's a Bruno Cathala game, and we both know how I feel about it. So when I'm looking at it, when it comes to ease of play, I think Abyss beats Mystic Veil, but 
barely, because again, the AP prone I have an issue with. And I think Abyss is just a bit easier to teach because again, it's just you do you push your luck here and get some pearls that they outbid you. You grab a card of one set that's right there, or you buy something down here. And if you reach a certain point and get your keys, it uh, gives you the um, the the location that you can end up buying. When it comes to meaningful choice, again, because of the simplistic nature of Abyss, and there are some really good meaningful choices, and I think Mystic Veil wins that one. Yes. I think they're just how you make your cards Where you sing put together. Your card, yeah. Which card you get to combine. And not just that, the push your yep. luck aspect, because if you get that third card in a row, you get nothing. Yep. And mm-hmm. so you got to be careful, like, do I pull another card? Do I not? Oh, wait, no, no, I don't want There's two out here. I don't want to get that other one. Yep. Uh, the replay value, I think, goes to Mystic Veil, because yep. I think it has, what, four expansions? Oh, at least. Because uh, they just that, have a new one coming out right now. The way now. everything comes out, like, card per card every yeah. turn. Yeah. It, Abyss comes down to it, and the Abyss only has two expansions, and it took a while for the second one to come to America. Mm-hmm. Game Immersion. Again, none I none of them match. <laughs> Neither the, Mystic Veil feels more naturistic than yeah, Abyss the, does. The only way I can argue for Mystic Veil being uh, thematic is that your cards are growing. <laughs> yeah, that's because they're it. getting better. So that's uh, the only way I can argue. Based for that. on our criteria on game immersion, let's just go ahead and pull that up real quick. Yeah. Uh, does the game fit the category best or theme match the mechanism? <laughs> Mystic Veil fits in a little better. Yeah. Player interaction. Uh, there's really not much player interaction in any of these games other than. No, there's very little. There's very little. What. The only player interaction really that Abyss has over it is the fact that you, the bidding, the very, the, when you're pushing your luck or you're drawing the things out there and then people are outbidding you for the thing. And what's cool about that mechanism, we didn't mention it because I don't think Abyss is going on, is that if someone buys it for one, that then the next card that comes up, it's going to be at a minimum two of those pearls. Yeah. So it increases this way you don't get outbid all the time. Are you talking as, uh, for meaningful choice or are you talking for um, game immersion? Because uh, player interaction is thematic tabletop. Oh, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm calling it a watch because <laughs> neither of them have it. You don't care what anybody else is doing. Yeah, and, in the like, memorable I'm moments, like, too. I'm underwater. Hey, are you underwater, too? Like, I I didn't even know we were crab people. That's brand new to me <laughs> when you brought that up right now. I I, I would say well, that's yeah, a Well, because, because you're, you're trying to get them. the lords who are on, or people in the Abyss uh, Kingdom and stuff like that. So, yeah. This is new to me. <laughs> uh, memor- like, I never knew this. In memorable moments... The only thing I, I would give that to Abyss is just because, remember, we talked about it. I would it. give memorable moments to Mystic Veil. And the reason, again, uh, I'm talking about, um, we said memorable moments could be go, both good and bad. Yeah. That, to this point, I haven't played it again because that AP really drove me and say, I need to play it again. And, and I've never mm-hmm. seen that. And I'm not discrediting you. I'm, you weren't there when it was happening. <laughs> I didn't experience it, though. Like, I didn't notice it. I was too focused on my stuff. And I it didn't bother me. And but There that, was and two other people in that game that were annoyed. Sure. And neither one of us have touched that game since. And, and I don't, <laughs> and I'm not trying to discredit it. I'm just saying, like, the way that you push your luck, uh, as far as, like, like it, I feel it's more more has stand up moments in Mystic Veil vale when you have built up that card and then when it comes out, boom! Now I have the amazing card. Like that's a that's a stand up moment. Like that is very. Oh, no, no, I, I I get that. Versus I, just like oh you pulled up a good yeah I'll up you. That uh, I'd rather I like that. Card. Okay, well let's just call this a wash because I don't think either one of us okay. budging because to the point, Mystic Veil vale has not been touched by two players that played that game. Yeah. 
Okay. So what does that tell you? We need to fix that. You come over and you and I will play it. And All we'll right. be done in 20 minutes. <laughs> so aren't production. Uh, so... Well, are we calling the whole category Game Immersion a wash? Or, because technically it goes to Mystic Veil. <laughs> it goes to Mystic Veil. Vale. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, but Art and Production, uh, and Mystic that means Vale. Mystic Veil is going on, and Art and Production, Mystic Veil wins that one too. Don't yeah. get me wrong, the pearls are nice. The little cardboard, yeah. the, the little plastic pieces. Yeah. On, on, on Abyss. Mystic Veil, the card crafting stuff right there that they, the, this shows through on both sides. And the symbology is really solid. Simple, too. yeah. Yeah. And so that goes into the graphic design, the pieces, the component, and the art. Yep. It wins all three of those categories. Uh, so Mystic Veil moves on right. to face Everdale. Very cool. All right. So let's just set that up. Throw these two in here. Throw that away. And before we move on to the semifinals, let's talk about the games that have been eliminated. So Planet, our eight-seed game. Only had one vote. It was actually in a one, two, three, four, yep. five-way tie for <laughs> last for place. For second to last, yeah. For second to last, yeah. Uh, and so that was Planet. Our number seven seed, Kodama, which was eliminated, was actually not voted on at all. Yeah, People at all. don't have love for that game. Nope. Despite it being ranked so high on Board Game Geek. In the next category, the number three C, Takanoko, got eliminated. And that was our fourth vote getter and part of that five way tie with one mm -hmm. vote. Five and finally, Abyss, uh, the most recent one that just got eliminated. It was our four seed in this category. And it was actually our number three vote getter. It had three votes. Really? Wow. Yeah. Okay. Good deal. Bruno Cathala, man. Yeah, he, he, he hits. Okay. All right, so moving into our next round, we have our number one seed, Wingspan, going up against... Reef. Let's see who goes first. Which is our six seed. Yep. As our well as our number seed. two seed, Everdale, will be facing our number... Five seed, Mystic Vale. And you're going first? I'll be going first. So I get either Wingspan or Reef. You get Reef. Okay. So Wingspan moves on. <laughs> and let me tell you why. I And don't get me wrong, I like Wingspan a lot. I do prefer Reef slightly, but all it is is just a game of trying to find combos and patterns. That's the whole game. The production's good. I have one one very, very minor complaint about the production. You ready to hear it? And it's probably not a big deal for most people, but it does it does bother me. The boards are slightly larger or slightly smaller than the size of the box. Meaning that if you have everything flush up against the box, there's a space, an empty space, where pieces <laughs> could potentially fall. Slight quibble. And you're a, a side shelfer. I am whereas, absolutely a side shelfer. Whereas I'm a flat shelfer, so... Yeah. Now, which means I am required to place the pieces into bags. <laughs> in order to prevent... You know, everything, yeah, everything yeah. getting all messed up in there. No, I, I don't. just, I wish those boards were just the size of the box. Or small enough to fit in a well, or throw the insert away, <laughs> or make the pieces bigger, you know, whatever, just make it a little more concise. Where, where it fits I, a little snug it. in there. Yeah, what's worse is when when you have player boards that are slightly larger than half of the size of the box, <laughs> so you can't sit them next to each other, yeah. like, sideways. Yeah, no, but that the, drives me like, insane. That, that's just the worst. Is when they yeah, that drives me insane. Mm -hmm. This is this doesn't suffer from that. This is my only quibble against Reef. 
Reef is fine. It's a fun game. I enjoy it a lot. I think it's a really neat game for what it is because you're planning your turns in advance. You're like, oh, this will work for this turn. Oh, this will work for this turn. No, and then you have like your hand of cards like in a row. You're like, oh yeah, uh, my next four turns are going to be amazing. I'm going to love it, and it's really satisfying. Um, but Wingspan is just a better game. No, I don't disagree with you on that at all. Um, I do have to say one thing I have to say about Wingspan that I, what, what makes me really, really enjoy it. And it's not just because I used to birdwatch when I was younger. And it just gives me that nostalgia feel as well. Yeah. Well, I used to be a reef. But it just, <laughs> once you get that engine building or that built and things just start comboing and comboing and it yep. just starts to sing, you're just like, oh my God, this is so fun. Yep. I will say the production value is better in Reef than Wings. No, I'm just kidding. It's not. No, it's it's really not as it's not better. I do I do think Planet was the best out of all of these as far as production goes. But yes. Well, you are wrong, but that's beside the point. (laughs) Wingspan moves on. Heck, I think Everdale has better production value than Planet does. I don't. (laughs) Again, you're wrong. In Planet, you don't have a tree blocking half of your view. I'm just saying. Lawyered. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next round. Everdell versus Mystic Vale. And I'm going to be way more into this argument. You will be starting us off. Ooh, I bet that sounds great for all of our uh, our ASMR listeners. I'm starting us off? We could put it in stereo, you know, and you could be just the left speaker and I could be just the right speaker. Let's not do that. And then if they li- if they listen to it in mono, I think, they can I think um, Mystic Vell is one to sit with you. <laughs> There's a reason because I got its back. Go ahead and tell us about Everdell. Okay, Everdell is a cutesy little worker placement slash tableau building game. Mm-hmm. That is, it's really nice. In fact, I think it won our most recent top eight. Did it? Did. It, did. it absolutely. <laughs> that actually shocked us because we didn't expect that to happen. But uh, going to Everdell on this time. I think it's it's a really good game. It's a nice little worker placement. Um, uh, and when we're talking about component quality, the fact that each of the creatures... Well, yeah, minus the tree. But all I your meeples... I was where it was. That's, oh, there it is. Okay. There's, there's, right. there, there's the regular one there, and then the wood one's up there. Oh, that's okay. But, um, Why don't you put it in the box again? Because no, no, it's, a pain, it's a pain in the butt to take apart. Oh, I'm right. just not going to deny it. It's a pain to use, so... You bought it decorative. It, yeah, it, it's pretty much what it is, but I like it. It's nice. It looks good. I really good. like it. You should buy a nice pot for it. Okay, like but it other room. than the tree, which is hardly <laughs> even used, it just holds the gold cards. It's all it's there for. Right. It's Oh, and it also holds your, your meeples that you get in the yeah. new seasons. But when we're talking about like the component qualities, the meeples themselves... They're individually cut to match the creature that you're playing. So if you're playing the rats or the possums or the frogs, or you have frog ambassadors in one of the expansions, it, it it's really nice. It's really good, well done. The cards are beautiful. It's some of the best artwork in board gaming in general. The uh, the components themselves, the amber pieces, the twigs, the the berries, the little rubbery berries. Yep, the berries are cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. So when I talk about like art production, I think it wins barely. Not saying anything bad about Mystic Vale. Mystic Vale has some of the best art in games as well. Uh, the when it comes down to it, the card crafting is basically just a sleeve with some art on it. <laughs> compared, I will to- <laughs> save my argument for when I'm working. <laughs> but uh, replay value. How many expansions do we know for Mystic Vale? 
for like sure five or six it's it's up there because there's look, one i'll be happy two, to look three while you're explaining there's five yeah. everdale expansions that you could think yeah. of off the top there's of my head there's the train there and the spider one that's coming out there's this one uh belfair the mm-hmm. pearl brook is one and then the the one that adds the rabbit i can't remember the name of that one per se but there's five that I can think of off the top of my head. Not to mention, like, the Collector's Edition had a little mini expansion for solo play. Um, other So, replay value. I think it's going to be tough on that as well when we're talking about, like, playing the, the, the full game to get the playthrough. There's play at through. least eight. Expansions eight expansions on my, Mystic Bell. So, it wins expandability. Um, minimum number of plays, both of them. I think Mystic Bell wins that one just slightly just because... There's duplicates. There's some duplicates in Everdell of the cards. Mm-hmm. Like if you're going for like the commons, the uniques are different. So like your kings and your queens and stuff like that. But uh, like the time and scaling well, both can be long. Both can be short depending on how things go. I think in all honesty, Everdell's longer. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. Meaningful choice. There's a lot of meaningful choices in both of them. But I do have to give that one to Mystic Vell. Mm-hmm. Because of the arbitrary choice, you're you're beholden to how the cards flip up unless you're buying from the roll. Yep. Uh, game immersion. I talked about it in the last podcast. I don't get into Everdell. I don't really feel like I am no. a little critter building a city. It, it's really just tableau building for me. So, other Which, than art, Vale is the same. Really, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. Uh, for me, I think art production goes to Everdell. I think it everything else goes to Mystic Vale. I I think. Uh, Art and production goes to Mystic Vale. I do agree with everything you said, but the reason I think art and production goes to Mystic Vale is that um, the 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 biggest hinge on that is you have two very big hurdles for Mystic Vale that it had to succeed in to not ruin the game experience, and that's one the clarity of the cards. You have to be able to see through the clear cards to see the other parts of it. Or see, it. I know that sounds like a minor thing, but like it, if it was like boring. He's wrong. No, if, no. If the cards were blurry, you'd be okay. Your, the card in the back the would be ruined, right? Mystic Vale gets graphic design. Yes, I will not be. No, I'm saying for production quality, and that's because the other one I say that for is because the sleeves are incredibly solid sleeves. You have no, to no, have. Don't get me wrong. You have to have consistent sleeves because part of the function of the game is sleeving and resleeving. That is a mechanism in the game, and if that failed on either of those two things then the game itself would have been completely destroyed. Yeah, I can't give it art it, production just because of those will, two things. There's much better art in Everdell. And no, the pieces I and think comp- the art is better in Mystic Veil. The, Veil the pieces and components are better in... I'll give you graphic design. That That's phenomenal, Mystic Veil. But the yeah, the art is stunning, but so is the art in Everdell. It's good, but it's not... I don't to know, the point I, I used to have it on my wall. I wouldn't have it on my wall. I would gladly have Veil cards on my wall. Nah. Absolutely. And again, we're talking about art being subjective, but... Right. So we can call it a wash. Yeah, we, we can call it a wash. I'm, I'm not giving you the pieces of really component, good. but... It, but the the only pieces that... It's like the, it's literally... I, I'll give you the fact that the tree can just be set aside. That's fine. Like, it, they're they're arbitrary. You don't need them to be good. Uh, the, the components, the berries and stuff, those are all really good. I'm willing to call it a wash <laughs> at best, because... You functionally, you need the component quality to be really good to do the card crafting well, and it doesn't. It hits it out of the ballpark. Nah, it, it's basically it, it's, a, it's a sleeve. That's all it is. It has to be a good one. Have you torn a sleeve before? I have. 
Anybody who's played Magic or collectible card games <laughs> knows exactly what I'm talking about. One wrong shuffle, there goes half your deck. Yeah, no, like, I, I, I... If you don't have really high-quality sleeves... I like the fact that it's always it's the art and production this this round that's really yeah. <laughs> yeah, causing really us to fight. Because, you're again, I see where you're coming from. You're coming from a creator standpoint, but I'm coming from a consumer standpoint, and a sleeve just isn't going to excite me. Okay, if you get a penny sleeve, though... <laughs> Then your game is ruined because it's going to bust every time you like. Oh, I sleep. Oh, I broke the sleep again. Like, let me get another. And here's the thing sleep. about when like, we go with that art, ruins the experience. When we go with art and production, mm-hmm. I say it like this from a consumer standpoint. If I'm playing Mystic Veil at the table and Everdell at the table, which is going to draw someone new? I would say Mystic Veil. I would say that tree alone is going to people. What is going on over here? Yeah, until and you have I've to throw it onto the side because it's obtrusive. But, and I've seen it do it. <laughs> I've seen you put it aside. No, I've always used the tree. I know. I've always used the tree. It stresses me out. The, the only time is, it was fine is when it was know, a two-player I, game because it didn't matter for the third You know how player. I figured out how to use the tree in a four-player game? Not play it in a four-player game? No. Set it the set ball a, in a horseshoe style? <laughs> set it sideways. So like if how I used to have my table against the wall, put mm-hmm. the tree against the wall and have it go down. This way there's two players on that side and two players on that side instead of if you're having four players around one table. You're, you're having to make excuses for this component. And I'm taking that out of the equation. I'm saying, like, functionally, you could have had, you know, cheaper components in there, and it would have been functionally the same. I'm saying you had to have a high production value for Mystic Veil to work, and they did. AEG deserves that credit. Yeah, I'm not giving it. Hands down. No. Right, fine. Regardless, <laughs> Mystic Veil moves on. <laughs> yeah. But... Type your comments down below if you agree with either Daniel or Daniel. Make sure you're heard and make sure you specify if you agree with Daniel. <laughs> so Mystic Veil moves on. Okay, this is gonna this is gonna hurt because you and I are very passionate about both of these games. Yeah, and luckily we don't draw from the cup. I'm just yeah. putting them in here to get them out of the way. Yep. In fact, <laughs> Thankfully, get... we don't have to pick a favorite between <laughs> these because we both know what each other's favorites are and we both know which one we'd be pushing for. But we're going to take our bias out of it. Daniel, before we move on, uh, Everdale, how many votes did it get? Oh, so uh, the eliminated. Let's go with Wreath first since it was the sixth seed and got Ooh. eliminated. Ooh. It was another one in that tied with only one vote. Okay. And finally, Everdell was our number two vote getter. Doesn't surprise me. At nineteen. Ooh, it's a to- it's a close one. All right, so this final one, we don't flip the coin of doom. This very odds shaped coin of doom. We are simply going to discuss each of the topics. Are there any that stand out? We're not going to do art and production first because we're going to fight on that one because that goes to Mystic Vale. No, but no, it does not. It's fine. It's fine. It's it's okay to be wrong, and we'll discuss that when it comes there. When it comes there, it's fine. Hold on, wife, can you bring my bat, please? (laughs) Oh goodness, we should have looked at the sound volume because we've never tested the system before. That that could have hurt some people. Sorry for headphone users. I'm really really sorry about that. Yeah, for once, but it's I, his time. It's his I, I, I need to bludgeon someone. Let me see if I... Oh, wait. I have my old mic stand over here. Why don't you bludgeon me with the Everdell tree? That's functionally flawed anyway. But it's to some real use. Because I have the wood one, and it's too nice. Oh, that's where my trash can went. Wait, you called the tree the trash can? No. I was oh, like, yes. I was looking for my trash can earlier. I found it's it. on a wingspan box. Let me point that out. I had to get it out of the way as we moved the desk. But, okay. One right. that stands out the most. Okay. Ooh, uh, Ease of play. Ooh, actually, no. 
Mystic Fell is not that easy to learn or teach. It, it's easier to learn, but I think the theme would would be more enticing for bird watchers. I yeah. really do think Mystic Veil or um, Wingspan is is more likely to get to the table. Yeah, uh, and uh, again, you know how I feel about the analysis paralysis. So, yeah, I, <laughs> I haven't run into analysis. It was really, it was really tough for me to learn Wingspan the first time I played it. It really was. And I know I'm not the only player, but like I'm not inexperienced. And I remember the first time I played Wingspan, I was like, wow, there's a lot going on. There's a lot to consider. And this is making my brain hurt. Yeah. The first time I played it. And so Easy I'm play willing, really to doesn't... It, willing to call it a wash. All right. We'll call it a wash. Okay. Just because AP prone, it's going to be subjective. Well, the thing is, uh, the fact of the matter is two people in that game haven't played it since. Yeah, but I've never seen it, though, other than, like, I don't remember that, and I've never seen it in any other game. Because you're it's used really to weird. playing with that other player. Probably. <laughs> and that's fine. But that's what I'm saying, though, is, like, in any other experience that I've demoed it at the shop, I've never seen, like, okay, people take let's put it this way. a few turns. This is how long it's been since I played Mystic Veil. Our mutual friend, the one I'm talking about that hasn't played it and since, that was he was living... Experience. That was your one experience. <laughs> I don't disagree no, no, with no. you. He doesn't even live in the house we played in anymore. It has it for a while. Okay. And neither do you. That is true. <laughs> in fact, I think when I was living in a different apartment when we played it. <laughs> Probably. No, I, I'm i willing to call it a wash because I just, I don't, I haven't seen it. I, I think the fact that you take half of your turn during other players' turns speeds up everything. I really do. Uh, yeah, except for that one time where a one-hour game, if that took us two and a half hours to play, that's how much I remember that game and how long it took. Well, it's because it was that much longer that you remember it. <laughs> it was a longer experience, sure. No, it, <laughs> if I spend, like, all day at Disneyland versus 20 minutes, I'm going to remember it all day. All right. Anyway. <laughs> the one that jumps out at me arbitrary. is Game Immersion, and I think game that immersion. goes to Wingspan. Okay. Because <laughs> it fits the theme mechanism a lot better than <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Mystic Fell does. There's a lot more table talk in, in that one I've played. Yeah. And... Uh, the memorable moments I have in uh, Mystic Veil, we've watcher. talked about quite a bit in this podcast. Uh, the bird <laughs> As well as, I've just, because I've played it so much, and with the group that I have played it with, we have so much, there, there's inside jokes because of Wingspan. And so there's a lot more memorable I, moments. And I've seen, there was a reason why it was at the hotness table and the first time I ever played it, and sure. it was so hard to find. I, I just think there, I do think there's more memorable moments in in. Well, Missy Veil just because of that pusher luck, like, like like when you build up that that awesome mega card <laughs> that everybody inevitably tries to do at some point during their eh. you know I, that's just a small. Thing. I, I find more that when it comes to the pusher luck aspect, there's more of or uh, more memorable moments in something like Quacks of Quinlanburg than I feel with Mystic Veil. I mean, sure. it was nice, it was cool, and I I do enjoy the game Mystic Veil. I just huh. haven't played it because. I'm terrified. But we're not debating Quacks of Quillen. <laughs> no, we're but I'm saying, when I, you're talking about like that push your luck, that's your, yeah. that's, that's your memorable moment for every push your luck game. Yeah, because it's really memorable. It's really good. That's why I like push your luck a lot. Yeah, it's not that memorable. It can be really exciting. There are some push your luck games like, uh, like um, you know, Zombie Dice. That's not that. That's not, that's not exciting. No, it's not. Uh, but like I don't like zombie dice. Mystic Veil, yeah, it, it has that moment. Yahtzee has more memorable moments for me than Mystic Veil well, does. I just, love building up, <laughs> I just love building up that giant mega die. Or that mega mega die. I'm on Yahtzee. The the mega card and then when it comes out and it's that beautiful moment of like boom, that mega that's that's so satisfying. I love it. 
And I'm willing to brag to other people when that happens. All right. So we have three <laughs> that we still have to argue. And okay. none Wait, of which these... One, which ones have we argued so far? We've got Ease of Play, which was a wash. Okay. In Game Immersion, which is Wingspan. Okay. I'm thinking uh, expandability and um, and replay value, I think, is a wash also. Just because length of time is scaling well. Wingspan is a much longer game than Mystic Veil. Vale. Well, I don't know. I, every game I've played under that has been under two and a half hours. You know, the one game. <laughs> uh, every game I've played is like a 20-minute game. <laughs> really weird. Um and that the minimum number of plays for full experience, they both have like that whole uh, they, slew there's, of cards. Yeah, and then the, the expansions add new things like uh, oh, yeah. the European new expansion mechanism. added yep. new mechanisms. Mm -hmm. The Oceana added a complete new yep. uh, board that you got to play with because it added a whole new food token. So, yep. yeah. And and at the rate it's going, who knows how many expansions Mystic Veil well, will have. And, but we already know it's an obscene amount for Wingspan. And then Wingspan, so. yeah, they've already said they're going to have six expansions. And then they're talking about doing, uh, I've heard uh, Jamie Stegmaier when he's talking like on his uh, Facebook thing. Oh, yeah. They've talked about doing like maybe extinct birds or like small, small little, um, yeah, like small expansions, How mini about expansions. Predators of birds, like, you know, well, like no, that. I could totally see that. <laughs> yeah, but they're talking about like doing mini expansions as well. But for sure, yeah. they're going to do one for every continent. But then they were, they, he uh, had a poll just recently about what would you want to see if we, uh, in between like the continents do like mini expansions. And I'm just sitting I, there like, I hate myself for saying this, but. The house cat. I want to see that. <laughs> Takes out the first bird on the ground. Like, maybe in the middle ground, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I will agree with you that uh, replay value is a wash because both of these just, they're nonstop. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're both incredibly expansive. Uh, replay value, they, yeah, exactly. And I completely agree. So, another wash. Which Ooh. one do you want to get into a fist fight first? Uh, game of, wait, we've done game immersion, right? Uh, yes, meaningful that, choice. Meaningful okay. choice and aren't production are the two that we haven't done. <laughs> Which one do you want to get into a fit, fist fight for? Long term strategy is definitely wingspan. Uh, oh, yeah. I admit that. Um, arbitrary choices. Yeah, Mystic Veil vale is always just kind of good. Yeah, way. and I, you know, which which actions you take, I I would give meaningful choice to wingspan, um, but impacting other players' strategies. I think neither of them have it. Yeah, and, unless but, you take a bird. Well, but it, it, here's, here's going to be my counter-argument. Arbitrary choices, you're kind of stuck with whatever you get with with uh, with with Wingspan. Yes there and There are no. the three cards that are available, right? There's the three cards that are available. Up, you could draw up. And you can draw up, whereas, you know, Mystic Veil is just easier to do, and you know you're going to see it because of that cycle. And, but I also... But what you, Put what you what birds you plant in your field. I don't know. I don't <laughs> planting know the birds, huh? Yeah, planting the birds. Whatever birds you you force into your aviary. Um, no, but the thing is, it, there's really there's things that mitigate that too. Like if you yeah. pull up a gold card, you get to choose two and keep one mm -hmm. of them. You get to make that decision there. You have the three birds sure. that are out there. The the only like surprise, and this just the mechanism for it, is that when you're a bird of prey, you have to have a wingspan under a certain aspect, which yeah. is fair. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, so I just don't know that it has any more arbitrary choices or any less arbitrary choices than Mystic Veil vale does because of the fact that you're. Like, knowing when to press your luck, that's probably the only arbitrary choice, because you don't know what's coming up. Yeah. Um, but I don't... I wouldn't say that it has any more or less. I would... So what, you would rather call this a wash? Than... That same one, I would... Or that one category I would call a wash. Meaningful choice, or... Meaningful choice, yeah. Because it... Impact on other strategies, they don't have it. 
Long-term strategy is wingspan, so we would give it to wingspan. Wingspan, okay, yeah. And then finally, art and production, but honestly... It doesn't matter. Mystic Veil 1. Mystic Veil 1 in art and production. <laughs> no, uh, wingspan 1, because uh, it's two washes. I know. That's what I'm saying. Throw me a bone. Give me art and production. No. <laughs> I'm going gi- to give that point to Mystic Veil. Mystic Veil doesn't written. have an I've art written. book written... <laughs> Yet. Based off its art. That's because AEG does do art books. Jamie Stegmeier is a savant, okay? He does what, he, he does what Jamie Stegmeier does best. Friend of the podcast. He's awesome, by the way. Yeah. Um, His interview is still our best uh, YouTube. It's because it was a great interview. Yeah. Um, no, because he, he's a genuinely nice guy. It's, yeah. It's ridiculous. He has no right being that nice because he makes normal people like Daniels look terrible. <laughs> No, I'm no, he's an awesome guy. But I'm giving it a wash, in all honesty. I, I mean, art is better. Production in Wingspan, yes. It's okay, but I think components, the pieces and components are better in Wingspan. And then iconography, they're a wash. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's a wash. Like, art well, production's no, a wash. I mean, the iconography on, on, on Missy Vale is solid. Uh, but no. the, but it's not that the graphic design is bad. It's just it's everything has like the the text of you can't iconographize that. Well, when it comes down to it, so. wingspan one. Yeah. Okay. And I'm not. But I'm not, not because Mr. Bale <laughs> put up a. Or it wasn't. It was. It was. I think contender. this is the first time where it's like it was basically a fight for ties. Yeah. <laughs> Which had, it's a good thing size. that it didn't go to a tiebreaker because uh, Mystic Bell got trounced. It was part of the five-way oh, tie I'm with sure. one vote. Mm-hmm. And Wingspan was our number one vote-getter at 20. Yep. That doesn't surprise me one bit, unfortunately. But, you know, I I don't... I'm not going to say that I don't understand why some people think Wingspan is a better game. I just personally like Mystic Veil better. But that's why Wingspan's ranked 20 on BGG. <laughs> Where's Mystic Veil at? Up there. It's, Mystic it's Veil was our five seed, so it's like in the, the hundreds or three hundreds. That's not like top 100, I think. Where's my phone? I'll, I'll figure this out. Yeah, right we'll, now. we'll do it later. Not during the episode. <laughs> we have an episode to finish. We hope you agree with uh, what we've debated. I think Parks, honestly, would have jumped up. I think Parks would have fought. If I had played it, that. yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, and I, there's a few others on the list that I think would have also put up quite a fight as well had either of us played it. But definitely Parks. Definitely Parks. Yeah. And, and again, I'm still surprised that Trekking wasn't on yeah. this list because it's literally that going through the national parks mm-hmm. so i don't get why that it wasn't on this list but with that being uh-huh. said we're gonna call this a day yeah absolutely how many votes did wingspan get by the way 20 20 votes that was impressive well thank you for dice chuck for joining joining in and if you ever want to tune in and join us on one of our live episodes like how dice chuck did you can join us at twitch.tv slash everydayboardgames. As well as you can find all video re-uploads found on YouTube at Everyday Board Games 2020. And if you like what you do, what we do here, then there is three things that you can do to help us out grow on the platform. Subscribe if you're not. Like the video. And comment down below and tell us your thoughts on the subject. As well as all audio versions can be found on most podcast platforms under Everyday Board Games Podcast. This includes Spotify, Google, Amazon Music, and Podbean. Like the theme we picked today? Don't like the theme we picked today? You can tell us directly. Email us at everydayboardgames2020 at gmail.com to either say hi or to even give suggestions for future episodes. As well as you can get in contact with us on our official Twitter account at EBG Podcast. So we want to thank you very much for tuning in. Thank you to Dice Truck for joining in on their live chat and everybody who watches this video now and or in the future. 
As always, I've been your host, Daniel. And I've been your host, Daniel. And we want to thank you for tuning in to Everyday Everyday Board Board Games. Games. And remember, every day is a good day for board games. That's right. Actually, we should. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah,